Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 6, 2018. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 3, and we're at page 33, Paragraph 3. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Esther F., 12 Traditions, Lee H., Reading the text are Julie R., Katie G., and Susan H. The reference numbers for Monday, March 5th, are for the 7 a.m., 11121. That's 11,121. And for the 10 a.m., 11123. That's 11,123. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. Dues or fees for members, we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither submitting nor accepting outside donations. OA is an organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Katie. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther. I will now ask Lee H. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning. This is Lee H., a compulsive overeater from Tennessee. These are the Twelve Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
Number three, the only requirements for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Number four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Number five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Number seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Number eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Number nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Number 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name never ought be drawn into public controversy. Number 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Number 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service this morning. Thank you, Lee. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To, pr- to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 33, paragraph three. And I will ask Julie R. to begin reading. Hi, thank you. This is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time, nor take the quantities some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. As we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is a scant chance of success. In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remained sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers again later. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. We think few 
We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some of us will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. So again, I'm Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And there's so many things in these two paragraphs. I'll, I'll try to get through them. But, you know, when it talks about gravely affected, you know, what does that mean? It's like, you know, it's one of those words. Well, it's like alarming, serious. So it's like, I'm not just this average compulsive overeater. And then the I kind of chuckled. This is particularly true of women, potential female alcoholics. I used to joke with my sons, they were, um, they both played football, that I could out-eat them. So, yeah, you know, I give me a, a, a table full of food and I could have done exactly what they did. It also talks about we who are familiar with the symptoms. You know, what are the symptoms of a, of a potential compulsive overeater? Yo-yo dieting, going to gyms, going to doctors, having surgery, trying the pills, buying the magazines that are at the can. Uh, the counter with the candy bars, all of those things, those are but symptoms of what the real problem is. I can't tell you how many times that I spent money on those things. But the second paragraph hits hits me in my heart. You know, we couldn't quit we way beyond our willpower. My willpower worked for a while. I was able to stay on the diet. I was able to lose 10, 20, 30, 40 pounds until I couldn't. And, you know, I was not able to stay on the diet towards the end more than a day, more than a half a day. My willpower went out the window many years before. You know, it says if I'm a real compulsive overeater and very far advanced, there is a scant chance of success. And that's what happened when I became that real compulsive overeater and day after day, year after year, I lost any type of resolve that I could do this on my own. And I never could do it on my own, but my self-will did serve me for, for a bit. I know today, as I did three and a half years ago, when I was in my relapse, I took one bite of an abstinent food that was off my normal amount. And I had, I don't know, a couple of years at that point. I was moderating, I was speaking, blah, blah, blah. And two weeks I was face down with every binge food I could have. And I became a rabid animal as soon as I picked up. So I know without a doubt that I am gravely affected and that I have zero willpower because I don't have that. I've lost my power, my choice, my control a long time ago. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. I, a few weeks didn't matter. I would swear off the food, I would cry, and I would be in the food a couple hours later. So, um, you know, for the potential alcoholics, the potential compulsive overeaters, you know, we, we think we we can handle it. Time. Because we've, oh, shoot. Sorry. Thank you. That's okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Julie. Okay, so we are on page 33 and more about alcoholism. We're reading the last paragraph that begins with to be gravely affected, reading through two paragraphs, ending with most of them within a few weeks, and we'll be commenting on both of those paragraphs. Who would like to comment? Kathy K. Kathy K. Rita K. Larry. Melissa. 
Melissa. Larry. Melissa. Vasa O. Who else was that? Jan S. Jan S. Yes. C. Tenzin P. Yes, I got you, Tenzin. Thank you. Kathy G. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, let's stop there. I have Kathy K, Rita K, Tenzin P, Larry K, Melissa C, Vasa O, Jan S, and Kathy G. Kathy K, you're up first. Thank you very much for your service. This is Kathy K from Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, these two paragraphs are so important to me. Um, you know, I stayed away from the rooms of OA for many years after it was suggested that I might benefit from OA um, because I assumed I didn't have as big a problem as people who have over 100 pounds to lose. I didn't have a lot of weight to lose. I could get away with people thinking I was normal. Um, but the truth is, as it says here, is I was as much affected by anyone else, even though I didn't necessarily take large quantities, um, nor did I manifest a lot of weight gain on my body. Um, but over the years, I noticed that diets became more and more difficult, more and more frequent, um, and uh, there came a time when I couldn't stay on any kind of food plan on my own willpower, and that's what finally, had I not been diabetic and obviously killing myself with compulsive overeating. I don't know if I ever would have gotten to the rooms of OA. Once I got here, once I started studying this book, um, it became clear to me that um, the mental aspect of this disease in me um, was as serious as any other overeater. And it wasn't until I accepted that that I was really willing to uh, explore and work the 12 steps. Um, I think, you know, the idea that we hear so much on this meeting is identify but don't compare um, is so important. Uh, I needed to identify in and to realize what it says in the doctor's opinion that I had an allergy as well as a spiritual malady. I did not need to compare my size and my weight gain to anybody else because that's really irrelevant to the seriousness of this disease. So grateful that I know today what my disease is and how to arrest it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Rita Kay, you're up, followed by Tenzin P. Thank you. This is Rita Kay, recovered in Kansas. You know, the thing that um, that really the idea that stands out to me in these paragraphs is uh, something that I have to remember, and that is that long-term abstinence does not equal recovery. 
And I think in the past for me in dealing with uh, with relapse off and on through the years is that I would think because, all right, I've got this now. I, I've been abstinent for a year. I've been abstinent for two years. I've lost 100 pounds. I've lost this. I've lost that. You know, and so long-term abstinence, think, I'm thinking that because of the amount of days, I'm checking off the days on the calendar. I can say I have, you know, a certain amount of days and or a certain amount of months. And, you know, but I did not realize that not living in the steps, you know, was very detrimental, you know, to my program. Now, maybe someone else can live that way, but for me, long-term abstinence did not equal recovery. I had I'd been through different programs. I had answered probably hundreds of questions, but for some reason, I still didn't get it. I didn't know how to live in the steps and how to uh, apply the steps on an everyday basis to my everyday life. And, yeah, weighing and measuring, I was doing this, I was doing that, I was even calling it in every day. But for me, long-term abstinence does not equal recovery. And I think that that's, that's what's being pointed out here is that we might do it for a long time, we might put the food down for a long time, but are we recovered? And with that, I, with that I pass. Thanks. Let me share. Thank you, um, Rita K. Tenzin P. You're up, followed by Larry K. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Tenzin P. Uh, so yes, it's wonderful to hear everyone's shares and the reading today. Um, so in the first paragraph, to be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantity some of us have. Actually, I take some comfort from that um, phrase. It's helpful to hear um, because I struggled for a long time in program to feel like I belonged, even though I knew I belonged there, but I wouldn't feel like I belonged because on the outside, I didn't look like a low-bottom case, didn't come from high numbers, and um, but my but my inner life life had been tormented and broken by my attempts to control and manage and multitask and organize my life around my compulsive overeating disease for a long time. I was living to eat. It was not a very happy way to live. Um, and in the next uh, sentence where it says. It's particularly true of women. Um, I'm just curious what would be the medical truth of that. Just wondering if anybody knows. Maybe I'll ask that question on the second hour. Um, And then potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Well, I'll say that I was the real thing from the very beginning. Um, The external... Um, might be the more obvious criterion, but I belong to, well, I already said that, sorry, even if, you know, even if the suffering was mostly internal. People who could see me more clearly could see that I was in prison, but I really, it was too familiar for me to even understand that there was a way out. Um, Certain drinkers would be greatly insulted and astonished at their inability to stop Um, I think that um, my 
Diseased compulsive overeating and being unable to stop has affected my self-esteem much more than I knew, a sense of defective, broken, bad that I've carried with me well into adulthood, and I'm so grateful for my recovery and for you all on the line, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Tenzin. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. You know, the what comes to mind as I'm reading this morning is there's, you know, there's this immutable fact about denial. It doesn't work long-term, you know? Denial, it, it doesn't work long-term. Reality always wins out in the end. And when it does, you know, the next step for someone like me in the process is blame, which for me, the blame shifted the responsibility onto someone or something else. It was my childhood. It was, I was loved too much. I wasn't loved enough. My partner is, is, is too right. My partner isn't right enough. You know, it's the fat, it's the food. I can shift the blame to anything, but the immutable fact about denial is it doesn't work. Nothing was working. And I don't care how old you are, if you're on this line and you're in your 90s or you're 19. The immutable fact about denial is it doesn't work. And, you know, and and, and the reality is, as I was shifting blame onto everyone and everything in my life, here was my reality that continued to win out. I was stuck in the quicksand of this disease. And the longer that I denied the fact that I had the twofold nature of this disease, here was the problem. There was nothing illegal about it. It just kept me from working the steps. It kept me from putting my jersey on, right? It kept me on the sidelines. I'd, you know, come to the meetings and listen and hope that some of your recovery would, would you know, would rub off on me. And, and you know, here's, here's the reality. It never did. Your, your recovery never rubbed off on me. There was never any process of osmosis where I would get it by hanging out on the sidelines long enough and just listening. No, I had to do the work because, look, the thinnest person on this line, don't kid yourself, you think she's the healthiest? Of course she, she might not be. You know, the, the, the reality for me is, is that if I work the steps, I have a spiritual awakening sufficient to eradicate, to drive out the obsession, among many other beautiful things, because I change in my relationship to my higher power. I change in relationship to my higher power. It was, it was selfishness was always the root of my troubles. And it, it was the, the denial was part of the selfishness. I wanted things to be something different than they were. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry. Okay, now we have Melissa C. followed by Bassa O. Hi, good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, I'm really thinking a lot about the potential among us that, um, you know, it's like once you, once I see this, um, disorder. I clearly see it in myself, like, and I've seen it in myself all my life. Like when I found out what this thing was, it made perfect sense to me. I had all the symptoms, um, you know, whether I was willing or not to follow directions and, and, and take the solution being offered was another question. But, um, but 
you know, seeing the potential, like, what do we do as recovered people when we see people around us who we believe have the potential? And, you know, and and we can't diagnose someone else, although, God, I'd love to. You know, I, I especially when I talk in the paragraph about young people, you know, I, I teach, and so I see lots of young children all the time, and I see in some of them clearly the potential. I see the way they react when food is around, when sweets are around. It's different from their peers, and and I oftentimes I think I might see some of it in my own children, and I and there's a part of me that gets really fearful, you know, like what what do we do when we see the potential, you know, coming up, and you know, here's really where um, I continue to look to this book for direction. And, um, you know, what can I do? I think about my own growing up and how, um, you know, my parents, they loved me and they tried everything they could to help me. I don't think they knew the exact nature of this. They, they knew the symptoms. And they saw the symptoms and they really wanted to treat the symptoms. And so, I know as a mom and as someone that's with young children, I can't just treat the symptoms. You know, I can live recovered, and that's about the best of it. You know, I I sometimes look at my own kids and their nutritional choices. They, they seem to really like sweets. Um, and I can't make sugar the enemy, you know, for them because, um, you know, that's that was my experience. And I, I was a binge eater. I was a closet eater, and I don't really – you know, is there anything we can do for the potential? You know, if if God has a plan for all of us, God had a plan for me. Thinking at one time this was the worst possible thing that could happen to me, it's turned out it's not, you know. And so I, I today, like, I'm just realizing I need to let them have their own experience, live recovered, be a good example. And, and you know, maybe they'll get inklings and hear what the rooms are like and, um Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Vasa O, you're up, followed by Jan S. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful recovered compulsive Vita calling from Florida. Thank you for your service. And, uh, yeah, I can identify with these two paragraphs. Um, before I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I don't know how long, could be a year or two before, I would, I would, I would, felt uh, offended if somebody told me I was compulsive Vita because I was trying to control the food every minute of the day um, um, over the years for many, many, many years. But I came to the point when they, I could not control it, and I did come to step one. I was powerless over the food, and my life was unmanageable. I had to diagnose myself. Nobody could could diagnose me. I wanted to. I needed to take history of my eating behaviors over the years, and I I must have, I, you know, what I have, uh, whatever I have learned, I've learned so much from people that went before me. I didn't have to lose uh, a lot of weight. I had maybe like thirty pounds. Well, thirty pounds is a lot of weight on five feet one person, but it was getting progressive. And I crossed over. I don't know when I crossed over. It was way, way before I came to Overeaters Anonymous because everything I tried to do, it just was not working. 
you know, and I lost and I had, and I gained like I'm probably hundreds and hundred pounds over 25 years of my lifetime trying to to lose it and and to get to lose and gain. Uh, so I, you know, again, this was my last stop. You know, I came crawling to to the program. I, it was Vasa, live or die. You have to make a choice here. Well, my choice was I wanted to live. I didn't want to die. I had everything to live for, but I was killing myself. And again, I'm so grateful that I learned I had a disease. It was called uh, compulsive overeaters, uh, and uh, eating disorder, and I've practiced little bulimia, and I've practiced little anorexia, anything, anything to control the food, and he did not. And I was just so willing and so ready to surrender. I just couldn't do it any longer. And it is, this is the only thing, it's by the grace of God. God gets the credit, I don't. And of course, I threw myself in the 12 steps. Like my hair was on, on fire, like I hear in the, you know, other people share about their experiences. And this is the only thing that's worked for me, and I've been here for 33 years, 33 almost years, and it's by the grace of God. I keep coming. I don't want to leave to think I'm, and that's it, I'm done, I'm done, I am healed. I still want to stay and do what I'm doing all these years. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Jan S., you're up, followed by Kathy G. Good morning. Thank you for leading, and thank you, everybody, for your shares. This is Jan S. I'm from St. Augustine, Florida. This page, this chapter is the one that saved my life in Overeaters Anonymous because I was in for uh, 30 years and I was still slipping and sliding, maintaining my weight for, you know, 28 of those years before I finally got to this chapter again. And in this chapter, you know, it, it hit me like a bomb. Um, I'm one of those people who is... Uh, I am incapable of being honest, you know, when I got here, incapable of being honest, incapable of accepting my addiction, um, thinking I could still do it, you know. When I first first came, it was just another diet. That was 40 years ago. It was just another diet, you know. I could do this, you know. And um, I understand today that I not only had problem with the food and the eating but I had a problem with living, and I used food as my solution to cope with anything that didn't go my way in my life. And I, you know, the insanity of that, I couldn't see the insanity piece. I couldn't see the place where I, I was just intolerable to live with, hurting people all the time. Couldn't see that piece, suffering angry, hurting, yelling, screaming, couldn't see it. Um, so when I finally slipped for the last time, um, this was the chapter that sealed it for me. This was the chapter that said, you know, these are the people who pick up when they're abstinent. This is, it was me, you know, and that I truly have no mental recall I have the mental blank spots that state, I do not remember my last binge, and I will pick up again. 
So the doors of hell at that moment, when I realized it, closed in on me. But you know what? That was the best thing that could have happened to me because I was working the tools. I was sponsoring people. I was doing all the great little OA things, but I wasn't surrendering. I didn't work the steps the way I needed to work them in order to have a spiritual awakening that would remove from me the desire to compulsively overeat and give me the necessary changes in my thinking that would keep this addiction arrested. I have to live in the steps every day. I'm powerless over everything, Um, you know, and when my thinking is not straight, I have to pick up the phone immediately and call my sponsor, work the tools, do my 10th step. Whatever I have to do to stay abstinent today is what I do because I know that I can go back. It's, it's coming up. You know, the time doesn't matter. The time doesn't matter. I know time. I can up again. So thank you for letting me share, and thank everyone on the line. Thank you, Jan. Okay, Kathy G., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more people. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy G. from Illinois. Grateful to be a fully conceited, compulsive overeater today. I could really just say ditto to what everyone says. There's pieces of me uh, in all of it. and I'm, I'm so grateful to hear all of you today. Uh, I think we gained so much from listening to each other and sharing. Yesterday while I was listening, I realized because people were just saying how old they were and all the years that had gone by. And I I don't know if I was in complete denial over this or what, but I realized yesterday that I was 20 years old when I went to my first OA meeting. And now I'm 57 years old. And it wasn't until last summer when... I finally started really working these steps as outlined in the big book in relation to my food that I finally broke free from, as it says in this paragraph in the book, from this dangerous area. Um, You know, the dangerous area to me is just, like people have said, the complete denial Um, and the, the acceptance and surrender that I am so powerless that no matter what I do, what I try to convince myself of, there is absolutely no stopping this illness that I have. Um, As soon as I pick up one compulsive bite of food, it triggers that physical allergy that is going to trigger the, in my eyes, even worse mental twist that comes. And uh, I'm just grateful to say that for the first time in my adult life, um, I've been abstinent since last summer because I'm actually doing what the book says. And I found a sponsor who's helping me and I'm listening to all of you and learning from you and reaching out when I need to. Um, We're really here because I think for me, for sure, my life is completely unmanageable. I realized it again last night. You know, I'm 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 just coming going through bags of paperwork and clutter and and areas that I have not been able to touch. But now I feel like what's happened is I'm running on God's power instead of my own. And in moments of, you know, restlessness, discontent, I'm turning to him instead of food. Uh, by his grace. I'm so grateful for that today. So thanks for listening and I uh, hope y'all have a great day.
I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, who else would like to share? Um, we're on page um, 33, the last paragraph, going over to page 34, ending with them within a few weeks, and we're commenting on both of those paragraphs. Nessa R. Mary, Mary B. 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 Nessa R. Mary B. Okay, wait a second. Nessa R. Mary B. Jason, Sandy. I think it was. Sandy. Jason S. Okay, Jason asked Sandy, what was that? D. Okay. D. Carrie. Morrissey. Carrie, Carrie something, Morrissey. Carrie, what was your last initial? C, Carrie C. C, okay. Okay, well, let's um, go with those. And uh, first we have Nessa R, followed by Mary B. Thank you. Um, good morning, vision for you. Uh, my name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I think like most people on this line probably, I was constantly on the wagon, off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon. And whenever I went off the wagon, I sang the national anthem of every compulsive overeater or addict for that matter out there. I would say I would never do this again. And I meant it. And I went on a diet, and I started to feel better. And, and two things actually would happen then. As um, a little bit of weight came off, that was the first thing, a little bit of weight came off, I would start to feel a little bit of um, relief. And started to feel better and like myself and have optimism. And would start to uh, forget the misery that led me to that diet in the first place. And the second thing that would happen was the discomfort of not having uh, access to the food as a sense of even comfort to relieve the stress of living would begin to increase, which, of course, um, those two things led me back into the food. And that's why I was constantly, excuse me, on and off, on and off, on and off. It wasn't until, for me, the pain being in the food was actually greater than the pain of not being in the food that I became willing to do whatever it took. Um, and it helped me remember, I guess, the misery, the humiliation, um, the discouragement, you know, the um, shame, fear, guilt, and remorse that I would feel after, after every binge. And what I did then is I grabbed on to this program for Dear Life, you know, guided by, by a wonderful sponsor who was speaking the, in the big book, who knew the value not only of the steps, but also of going through the steps very quickly. Because, you know, um, when, we, when I first put down the food, I was in limbo, right? I, I, I had no access to, to, to my customary solution, which was the food, but yet I had no access to... Uh, what I knew then was my new solution, which was God, you know, because I had to go through the steps and remove the blockages so I could get access. So that period between putting down the food and actually becoming recovered had to be extremely short because I was uncomfortable and the risk of picking up the food again was great. And, you know, um, the steps don't have to take a long time um, to work. 
take, cannot take a long time to work because we cannot be uncomfortable for a very long time or we're just going to go back to the food. And, you know, that's in effect what I did, went through the steps and, uh, and recovered. And now I know the food doesn't call to me. It's no longer my solution. I don't have to swear off any, anymore. I don't really want the food that is not for me. And it's, um, you know, it, that Time. is a permanent relief. Thank you. A permanent relief. And, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Mary B., you're up, followed by Jason S. Thank you very much. This is Mary B., gratefully recovered compulsive eater in Central California. And there are almost 400 people on this line this morning, and I just want to speak to the one person, even one person, who is trying so hard to come back from relapse and try to get started again. And I don't really remember everything that happened 12 and a half years ago for me, but I do remember knowing that this program was the only solution for me because I had tried everything else. I called the sponsor and I said, how many day ones can I have? And I do remember that she said, let's try this one. And that was 12 and a half years ago. I was discouraged. I was down. I couldn't stop eating again. I I had come out of relapse a number of times, and it never worked. So I was not real positive. I did not have a great attitude. But... Let's try this one. And that was 12 and a half years ago. And here I am today, 80 pounds, have been maintaining that weight loss for at least 11 years, recovered through this program. I did not know that that was going to be the first day of a long-term back-to-back abstinence. And that's just... My message today, just call. Just make that commitment. It's not easy. This disease is a bitch. I've been saying that for years. It really is. Going through that withdrawal, those first days, knowing, just kept saying to myself, Mary, you've got to go through it sometime. How? Why not today? Just today. Get a sponsor. Make that commitment. You don't know. I don't know. Your sponsor won't know, but your higher power will know. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Mary. Okay, Jason S., your turn, followed by Sandy B. Hi, my name is Jason S. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Alberta, Canada. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff in this few paragraphs here. Um, thing that really stuck out for me was uh, um, that you know uh, really applied to me was uh, that they talk about in there is the terminal uniqueness that people get. Um, to try and separate themselves from one another in program. Um, 
like, you know, like it talks about the part about women and men, you know, like, uh, for myself, like, uh, you know, I work with a lot of different people, you know, I work with women and men and, uh, of all different ages, you know, I'm, I work with people who are like in their 60s and I'm in my 30s, you know, you know, the illness is the same, you know, it it, it doesn't, age doesn't really matter, you know, like we're all sick. It doesn't make a person more sick because they've been at it longer than me. It's still the same illness. And, uh, um, you know, I was really beat when I come to OA. you know, and by the grace of God and, you know, working these steps and uh, really actually uh starting to do the work you know I, you know i was able to lose you know 100 plus pounds you know like a, a lot of people on the line say you know this the this is you know what's been said before it's not for people who need it or want it it's for people who do it and you know it really wasn't until i started to do it and started to do the self-sacrifice and helping others and getting on this line like I am right now and uh, start sharing my experience, strength, and hope that I really started to recover. And that's all I really had to say this morning, so with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jason. Okay, next we have Sandy B. followed by Carrie C. Hi, I'm uh, Sandy D. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I'm from Illinois, and I've been recovered for a couple months now. I came into vision in August, and uh, it's been the most wonderful experience of my life. Um, the line that sticks with me today is about the one year, because, you know, I couldn't even get two or three months past losing weight and then start back to my old habits of eating whatever I wanted and in massive quantities. And but yet when I came in to these rooms I had so much denial. I I didn't even recognize myself as a person that belonged. But I wanted what I heard on the lines. I wanted that positive, upbeat uh, person that reached out to me. I wanted what they had. And with that, it gave me the courage to put down the food. And by the grace of God, I'm recovered today, and I'm sponsoring other people, and it's just the most wonderful experience of my life. I just, I've had that psychic change. And for those of you out there that are still struggling, I mean, it's out there. You can have it too. God bless everyone, and thanks so much for your service. I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Okay, Carrie C., you're up, followed by Maura Z. Hi, this is Terry C. Uh, can you can I be heard? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm Terry C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from New Jersey, and uh, I didn't realize there was a line in here that just really speaks to my past. On the bottom of 33, it says, certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. I was sitting in the therapist's chair when the therapist said, uh, there's a place called Overeaters Anonymous and it helps people with food addiction. 
uh, I was the person sitting in that chair for at least four visits saying, if I could just lose weight, life would be better. It would, it would definitely be better for me. It would be probably perfect. Um, but when he said, I could possibly be a compulsive overeater or a food addict, I was so insulted. How dare he? How dare he call me a flawed person such as that? I was that person who couldn't stop. I couldn't stop and I couldn't see that I couldn't stop. And what I really couldn't see was that food was my solution. It was my solution for living. And um, I was also the person on the next page who stopped the behavior for a considerable period. I was never a good dieter, but there, I had one stint where I stopped the behavior for a considerable period. And now it's so clear to me to see that's all that stopped. My mindset was the same. Uh, my eating behavior while being controlled was changed, but that was it. And I realized that that food for me at that time was my God. It was my solution. It was my God. And I was never going to be able to stop uh, upon a non-spiritual basis. I'm so grateful today that I found um, the true meaning of, of God is the solution. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, thank you, Carrie. Okay, Mara Z, you're up. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning. Maura Z, recovered in Virginia. Starting my timer. Um, if he's a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. In, early, in the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remained sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers again later. When I before I came to program, I did diet after diet, and I did this and I did that, and I did A, B, C, and you know X, Y, Z, and all of those other things. And and there were several times where I had lost weight and was very proud of myself, and you know could buy the the smaller sizes of clothing and was very happy with that. And you know I would go along, and you know the next thing I know, I'm up 50 pounds, having you know no idea when did I stop the diet. When did I return to these habits? I wasn't that aware. I just wasn't. Um, I am reminded, though, of when I first came into program and was told about getting a food plan and working the tools. And, um, you know, there was a nod to the steps. I worked, you know, 70 questions to get through steps one, two, and three, and then I was ready to sponsor. <clears throat> the problem was, that while I was abstinent, I was batshit crazy because that's all I was, was abstinent and working these tools and checking off a list. And for a time, that worked for me. But that time ran out very quickly. And for the next nine years, I was in and out of relapse. And let me tell you, there is nothing worse, as many of you will know, than having abstinence and knowing what life can be and then losing it. But what I've learned since coming to work with a 12-step big book sponsor is that being abstinent was the reason I kept picking up because I was abstinent only. I didn't have the benefit of someone 
in whom the problem had been solved through working the 12 steps as opposed to working the nine tools to show me that I had an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. And until I realized that and owned that as my truth, I was never ever going to be able to stay abstinent on tools alone. It was not going to be in my path. It just was not going to be. So working the steps as they're written in this book with a guide who had done the same before me was the greatest gift I've ever received from OA and one that I'm grateful to be able to pass on every single day. And with that, I'll pass. Sorry, still muted there. Uh, thank you so much, Maura. Okay, we have time for one more share. If there's someone out there who would like to take that spot. Madam. Okay, well, I'm going to... Raquel. Okay, I heard Raquel. Raquel, would you like that spot, please? Yes, please. Thank you. Hi, thank you for your service, and thank you for being on the line, all my, my sweet buddies, family. Anything you're my greatest support these days. Yeah, I'm going through a difficult time, but thank goodness, you know, I can always be with you, listen, and not. I don't share so much. But um, I I am very very happy to be in this chapter, and I was up at night and called people. Uh, <coughs> this chapter really tells it the way it is. It's very hard to accept, and having been in program since 1979, and uh, having lost and regained the 30 kilo, which is like 70 pounds or more, and this time even keeping it off for the first time in my life for nine years and and two months and 20 days, um, I I do I cannot call myself recovered because I see. Some of my reactions aren't the way that I, that I'm, I'm not dancing through this rain. I'm crying through this rain, and it's hard. But at least you know, meeting someone who in who in whom the problem has been solved, and at the same time meeting someone I try to help, and it's like beyond my ability to help them, or or them wanting to even change anything. Uh, just to retreat, to grow up and see, you know, you, you have to just keep on going and find, God will send me the people whom I can help and I should not be so disappointed that with all my efforts, you know, people, uh, somebody I love in program says they come in by the hundreds and leave by the 99s. To do this work is not easy and I'm very grateful that all of you are there and that I'm continuing to face the reality and growing up slowly. Thank you for being there, and I pass. Thank you, Raquel. There's one minute left, so I'm going to take that for just a few seconds here. I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater, and I came to my first meeting when I was 14 years old, and I was one of those people who, you know, that this paragraph is talking about that was like, you know, try to convince them, and I just thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. And I only had this little eating problem. And I came back when I was 21. And again, I, I did, never left the rooms, but I just didn't fully embrace the reality of what this disease is all about. And um, 
So there was this woman who would share everything that she ate. Um, and I thought I would never, I would never be that bad. And that is exactly what happened to me. I got as bad as that woman and then I hit my bottom. So, you know, it takes what it takes. I mean, I was 27 years old when I finally got abstinent, um, which felt very old for me because I'd, you know, been around for a long time, but, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it takes. The point is, is that we can start today by uh, embracing this way of life and saying, I'm done and uh, follow directions. And with that, I'll pass. And I would just like to thank everyone who shared today. Um, thank you, Esther F., Lee H., Julie R., Katie G., and Susan H. Um, for helping this meeting to run smoothly. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The SHRE ID for today, March 6th, is 11,125. That's 11125. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Katie, star one to unmute. Susan H., are you available to jump in for Katie? Hello. I am. Let me uh, put it back on off speaker and find 164. Thank you. I'm here. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. This is Susan H. in Ohio. Uh, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Hear freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.